Good morning, Maple Grove. Okay, it's October the 9th, 2022, and as we gather together in this beautiful fall morning, I want to remind you of a few things. God is real. Jesus is alive. His word is true. His promises are certain. We are his church. We are his people. And in Christ, our past is forgiven. Our future is secure. And our today is surrounded with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say that again. Because I didn't get any amens after that. And amen are not for me. But for what the word says. God is real. Jesus is alive. His word is true. His promises are certain. We are his church. We are his people. And in Christ, our past is forgiven. Our future forever is secure. And our present is surrounded by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. All true stuff. Hey, hey, I want to read a few scriptures to launch us into our conversation this morning. The first is in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 and 45. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. Now, the word holy basically means godliness, Christ-likeness. It's to live a distinct, different, set-apart life from the world around us. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. 1 Corinthians 1, 2 and 3. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. What's interesting about that is in all Paul's letters, he, he calls the church as holy, but the only one he ever says, it reminds them, reminds them, hey, you are called to be holy, is a church in Corinth, which if you ever read that letter, they had different issues with living a godly life. They definitely needed that reminder that God called them to be holy. Next verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, that God will be our Father and that we will be his sons and his daughters, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. 2 Timothy 1.9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you didn't know any better, when you didn't know God's word and God's ways. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Heavenly Father, we humbly come into your presence this morning, recognizing that you are the maker of heaven and earth. God, that you are 
before all things, that you are over all things, and that you hold all things together. Knowing that you're the one who breathes out stars, who holds oceans, who parts seas, who moves mountains, who slays giants, and who knows us even better than we know ourselves. And God, I just pray right now that you would keep the enemy out of this room and out of our minds as we lean into what you've asked us to be, to be a people who are set apart, to be people who live a life that's different than the world around us. Lord, help me to share this message in the way that you want me to share it. Help me not to get in the way. And please forgive me for my sins, for there are many. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're in this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Matthew, the king and his kingdom. And who's the king? Jesus. And what is the kingdom? It is his church. And currently we're doing a deep dive into the most well-known prayer in the world. A prayer that Jesus unveiled on that Galilean hillside in his kingdom manifesto. A prayer that people have been praying for 2,000 years. A prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer. And so far we've been looking at the first 11 words of the 72 words that make up this prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Our Father. Understand, the word our speaks of community, speaks of relationships. Where me and my produce isolation and loneliness, our produces community and family. Our breaks down walls. Our creates community. Our diffuses conflict. Our empowers God's dream for us to become reality. Our reminds us that we're not an only child in this family, that it's not just about our own private faith, but it's about the faith community. Our is the key to no one doing life alone. You know, we got to experience our today in my Sunday morning life group. I, I tell you what, the transparency and the vulnerability and the sharing of real stuff was absolutely beautiful. That was a room full of messed up people. And, and if you think you're messed up, I challenge you to come to our group and let's see. Let's compare scars, right? And who's more messed up, right? As I say, and I really mean it, yeah, we are, I'm a messed up pastor in a church full of messed up people. I don't have it together. Would you look at the person to your right and left and tell them you don't have it together? Okay. Now, some of you had too much fun for that. We should do musical chairs and try it again, right? I, there's someone across the room that I really want to say that to this morning, and I just can't, right? Our Father. Father reminds us that even though God is a sovereign king of the universe, the one who breathed out all the stars, who stretched out the universe with his hands, we can still approach him with complete confidence because he is our father and we are his kids. Behold what love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Our father who art in the heavens. And listen, it's most significant and intentional that Jesus use the plural form of the word heavens. And because it's used as the idea I've shared before, right? 
First heaven is the air that we breathe. Second heaven is where the galaxies and stars are. The third heaven is the abode of God. And by using this term, Jesus is proclaiming these four words, our Father who art in heavens, that God is great, like he's in the second heaven, he's in all those galaxies that we can't even comprehend how big they are. God is great and God is near. He's as close as the very air that we breathe and that there's more going on than our eyes can see, right? Because sometime at the six-foot level, life is not so good. But God is always up to something, amen? And from his perspective, God is working out his plan. Our Father who art in the heavens. Seven powerful words that, that give us peace, that give us comfort, hope, confidence, and perspective as we live in a world of trouble where the winds blow and the, and the waters rise. Amen? And last Sunday, we began a deep dive into the next four words of the prayer. Hallowed be your name. And we said that there are three ways that we can hallow God's name. Uh, we hallow his name. We, we hallow our Father's reputation, his character, his authority in person when we gather to worship him like we just did. Uh, uh, we hallow God's name when we strive to understand who God really is as revealed to us in Scripture. And we hallow God's name when we pursue and strive to live a life that reflects God's person and character, bringing honor to his name. As the great reformer Martin Luther said, God's name is kept holy when his word is taught in its truth and purity, and when we, his children, lead holy lives according to it. God's name is kept holy when his word is taught in its truth and purity, and when we, as his children, lead holy lives according to it. And here's the deal. The primary way that you and I hallow God's name, as I said last week, is by pursuing a personal, practical, progressive holiness. Personal, someone say personal. Personal, personal because it's in our own lives. Practical, because we're actually doing something. We're living in a certain way. Like there's, there's a, it's visible in our attitudes and our actions and our behaviors. Progressive. It means that we're growing and maturing in our Christ-likeness, in our godliness, step by step, day by day. And listen, this progressive practical holiness is one of the reasons that God saved you. Yes, God saved you because he loves you. But yet we read in Ephesians 1 verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. I understand Christianity it's not just about what Christ has saved us from, but what Christ has saved us to. Not just what he saved us from. He saved us from God's wrath. He saved us from the penalty of our sins. But he saved us to live a holy life. He saved us to live a godly life. He saved us to live a life that is progressively looking more and more like the life that Jesus lived when he wore flesh and he walked on this planet. Get it? Good. And when it comes to holiness in the church, the primary, the fundamental, the central, and preeminent problem is that most people who claim to be following Jesus do not care all that much about pursuing it. I mean, it's not that we're against pursuing holiness. It's just that 
it doesn't really make the top 10 list of things that we need to do in life, right? We're kind of busy, and it, pursuing holiness never quite makes that list of things that we need to do. The question like, how seriously do you take your personal holiness? Is it in your top 10? Top 25? Top 100? Does it even make your list? And what I'm trying to say is that there's a gap, not a clothing store, right, that there's a gap, and it's a pretty large one, between our passion for Christ, I love Jesus, yes I do, I love Jesus, how about you, a gap between our passion for Christ and our pursuit of godliness. I understand far too many Jesus followers feel, believe, and live Like they can love Jesus, be passionate about him, without any real concern whatsoever about pursuing a life of personal, practical, progressive holiness. That they can love Jesus, be passionate about Jesus, without any real concern about living the life that Christ has called them to live, about living a life that is worthy of his name. You see, I'm afraid at times that we can be like the people who God rebuked, who was prophet Jeremiah. People who live like the world during the week, but who felt it was totally okay to show up to the temple on the Sabbath and worship God with passion. And here's what God has to say in Jeremiah chapter 7. And let me just say, this is heavy stuff, right? You know, and, and the day may not be comfortable for all of us or any of us, but this is so important because God said, you must be holy because I am holy, right? He didn't say, hey, maybe if you want to, if you think about it, if you have time. So it's really important. So here's these people, and he's, God is rebuking them through Jeremiah for the way they were living and thinking, hey, I'll, I'll just go to church on Sunday or the temple on Saturday. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you've not known? But like, will you live like the world between temple services? God continues, and then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house which bears my name become a den of thieves to you? Understand, when thieves are in their den, they're totally okay with being who they are. Thieves, right? They're comfortable with who they are. And God is saying, you're living like that in the world, and you come to my house, and you're still comfortable with being who you are? Saturday, Saturday, he continues, But I've been watching, declares the Lord. He says, go now to the place in Shiloh where I first made a dwelling for my name and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people, Israel. While you're doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called to you, but but you did not answer. While you're living this way during the week, you come and you, you hear my word and I, I'm speaking and I, I see you nodding your head. I, I see you filling in your notes, but you're not listening. You're not changing. 
Therefore, what I did to Shiloh, I will now do to the house that bears my name. The temple you trust in, the place I gave to you and your ancestors, I will thrust you from my presence. Just as I did all your fellow Israelites, the people Ephraim. See, God is pretty serious about those who bear his name. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Question, the days ahead of you, as much as the Lord chooses to give you, do we just want to pray those four words? Or do we want to begin to live a life that brings honor and glory to God's name by reflecting however imperfectly God's character, God's person, and God's holiness. And if your answer is yes to the latter, then you need to pursue a personal, practical holiness. Get it? Good. And for us to pursue holiness, we need to maybe know a little bit more about it, right? What, what is it that we're pursuing, and how do we pursue it? Because we could wind up maybe pursuing the wrong thing, or we can wind up pursuing the right thing in the, the wrong way. And, and so last week we began unpacking these statements, two of the four. What pursuing holiness is not, why we must pursue holiness. And, and I'm going to do some more review. I'm not embarrassed by review, um, because most of us have not thought all that much about pursuing holiness. Yes, for most of us, again, I, I call my crack the um, creative team um, to come up with a, a picture here for you. <laughs> Isn't that good? Okay. I'm the creative team, all right? Seven tries, y'all. <laughs> what can I say, right? Okay. I know you're saying, why did it take so long, right? But anyhow, there, there's a gap between our passion for Christ and our pursuit of godliness, right? And, and, and this, this conversation about, hey, how do we close that gap? So we're just as passionate about living a godly life as we are about loving Jesus. And so we're going to do some review and then unpack those next two statements. And before I do that, uh, just a brief commercial. As Courtney mentioned, we're having a, a uh, starting point um, that's just a luncheon. We haven't had one in three plus years because of COVID. Well, because of us and COVID, right? You know, can't blame everything on COVID, right? That's just an excuse. And, and, uh, but anyhow, what this is, people have been hanging out here for a while. We're going to eat lunch together. You can meet some of the staff and elders and, and talk a little bit about the church and what the next step is if you choose to be a participating member here. On October the 30th, you know, it's Membership Sunday. Those who want to join have the opportunity to do that. This week I'll put together some videos, you know, really great videos, just like my, my drawing there, right? Um, talking about yeah, who we are as a church, what we believe, what our vision is, what it means to be a member, um, that you can watch and then give me a call and we'll talk about being a member. I really want to encourage all those who are members to re-up, right? Because you know, maybe you've gotten kind of slack in your walk with God since COVID, or maybe just in general to say, hey, you know what? There's still people lost and going to hell. There's still hurting people that need a home. There's still broken people 
They need a place where they can come, be accepted, and be put back together again. And so I want to encourage you um, to do that as well. And, uh, but before we jump into those uh, great statements uh, to get your blood flowing, we're going to do some calisthenics now. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we're going to take two, and during this time, greet those around you. And if you've not signed up for a compassion project, the leaders will be standing by their post-it notes. You can find out something about it. But again, that's next week, and it's going to be a great time for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, there, there's, some, there, there's three widows that are going to be served. There's a single mom that's going to be served. Uh, there, there's people who have children at Ronald McDonald's house that are going to be served, right? And there, there's people in the laurels, people who, who, many of them are there, and they're never coming out of that place. Many of them who do not have families visit them. Courtney's leading a team there with kids and cookies and hugs and laughter and smiles that Laurel's gonna be, is going to be lit up with the love of Jesus, right? And, and, and if you can't stay past 12 o'clock, 11 o'clock, come for an hour. Come for two hours of these projects. You know, don't feel like, well, this may take all day. Stay as long as you can. But I just want to encourage you to be a part of it. So let's take two, greet those, and sign up if you haven't, or at least find out some info about it. All right, great job. Great job. Uh, okay, let's hit this. Uh, what pursuing holiness is not? First, uh, pursuing holiness is not an option for God's people. I mean, anyone who spent even a little time in Scripture will see that God has always called his people to swim upstream, to go against the flow, to cut against the grain, to be different, distinct, holy, set apart from the people around them. First Peter again says, as beating children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so you must be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, it doesn't seem like an option, does it? Pursuing holiness is not a means to our salvation, we don't pursue holiness or godliness in order to be saved. Instead, we pursue holiness and living a godly life because we are saved. You see, it's our, it's our position in Christ that enables and empowers us to begin living like Christ. Next, pursuing holiness is not mere rule-keeping. And, and that, word, that word mere is a really important word. Because pursuing holiness is never less than obeying God's commands. After all, Jesus did not say, if you love me, you will give up on rules and religion and rules and do whatever feels right. Instead, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the danger, the trap we can fall into is we can turn our pursuit of godliness into holiness by checklist. Where we take care of a few bad habits, add a few good habits, and think, hey, I'm, I'm good to go on this holiness thing. But the problem with holiness by checklist is that, like the scribes and Pharisees, our checklist becomes very selective. Like we end up feeling successful in our pursuit because we never murdered anyone, check. Never committed adultery, check. Never stole anything, check. Don't smoke, check. Don't cuss out loud, check. Don't watch R-rated movies, check. Don't get drunk on the weekends, check. Attend Bible study every week, check. Listen to Christian podcasts, check. 
Read Christian books, check. Serve at the soup kitchen once a year, check. And with our checklist, you know what? If you don't line up to my checklist, I am obviously more holy than you. But the question is, are we prideful? Do we control our anger? Do we use our tongue in negative ways that tear down, that tears down people? Do we, do we reach out and serve the poor and needy? Do we love our enemies? Do we have mercy and truly forgive, not keeping a record of wrongs of those who hurt us? Holiness is not mere rule keeping. Holiness is not the way of the world. And remember, the way of the world makes sin look normal and godliness look strange. And because holiness is not the way of the world, we'll never make any progress in our pursuit of holiness if we are waiting for the world to throw a party in honor of this pursuit. Now, many Christians have the mistaken notion that if we were only better Christians, then the world would applaud and appreciate us. Not true. Yeah, sure, we can focus on the virtues that the world likes. However, if you pursue true religion that cares for the orphans and widows and promotes purity, James 1, 27, you'll lose some of the friends that you were so desperate to make. And here's the truth about pursuing holiness in this world. Saving yourself from marriage, staying sober on Friday nights, turning down a promotion to stay in church, refusing to say the F word, standing up for the rights for babies to live in the womb, promoting the biblical views of marriage, sexuality, and family, calling all forms of racism and the color coding of people wrong. These are the kind of things that the world doesn't understand, and we shouldn't expect them to. Listen, the world will not provide any cheerleaders for us on the pathway to godliness. Instead, they'll provide only ongoing, constant opposition. And I tend to think that opposition can only get worse as we stand up like, hey, this is what the Bible says, right? Uh, You know, our number one core core value is we honor biblical authority, right? Not my authorities, not my opinions, not your opinions, not CNN's opinions, not Fox News opinions, not Joe Biden's opinions, not Donald Trump's opinions, right? You know, we honor biblical authority. And, And if ever that conflicts with what culture says is right and wrong, you know, I will stand for biblical authority, right? Because, you know what? The Bible's true. Jesus is alive. And he's the one who died to save me, right? But if we're waiting for the world to say, they'll applaud some things we do. But the minute you take a stand for something they don't agree with, it could get kind of tough. And next pursuit holiness is not about separating ourselves from the world. You know, where Christianity becomes this fortress and we build a moat around our church, right? And we pull up the drawbridge and we hunker down, join hands and sing kumbaya, right? See, pursuing holiness is not to be a secret. We're not the, we can't be the light for Jesus if we hide our light in the basket, right? So we don't isolate from the world. God wants us to take a godly life out into the world, right? As imperfect as we will shine that light. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. Thank you, that one person who went, hmm. <laughs> Mmm, all right, mmm, mmm, all right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Everybody's a little mmm every now and then. Mmm. <laughs> all right, sorry. Um, 
why must we pursue holiness? Because we love God, right? And Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. And he's commanded us to be holy, right? Why? Because we don't want the way that we live to bring dishonor to God's name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. See, see, when we claim to be a Jesus follower, when we take his name, his person, his character, his reputation, and then we go out into the world and we live lives that are in direct contrast to the way he called us to live, we bring dishonor to his name. We cause people to think less of God, to think less of his church, to think less of God's ways. Okay, raise your hand if you want your life to bring dishonor to God's name. Okay, good. Good. That was good. Uh, we should preach holiness because holiness is life in all its fullness. See, living a holy, distinct, set apart from the world, different from the world, is the life we're created to live. It's who we really are. It's who God intends for us to be. It says, Paul writes in Timothy, it's life that's truly life. We must be holiness because it brings glory to God. See, our, our personal, practical, progressive holiness reveals to the world what God is like. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a compassionate God. He's a just God. And it reveals how life can be lived. Not alone, but in the presence and power of God. You see, just as the heavens declare the glory of God, our lives can declare his glory out into the world. And it's crazy, but for some reason, God has allowed his character and reputation to be bound up in how you and I live our lives, right? He, he did that for some reason. He's smarter than we are. You know, but God says, I, I, I'm going I'm to allow how people think about my name to be bound up in how my people actually go out and live their lives. And we should pursue holiness because it's absolutely possible. 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God is giving us everything we need for living a godly life. We receive all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And I shared last week about my illustration where I talked about making a cup of coffee. That's crazy. You can still have a cup of water just sits here. Like, it's so mungy right now. Like, where did all that dirt come from that's in this cup? What well, we almost drank from it without looking. Anyhow, that has nothing to do with my message. Uh, that's how life is, right? If you just let things sit, no, anyhow. Uh, I was trying to preach a sermon from it. Um, but I, I shared how I made this coffee and sat down to drink it, put in the sugar and my hazelnut creamer, and I go, ah, why does it taste nasty? Because I didn't, right? I didn't stir it up. And, 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 and see, God is giving us everything we need. We have his presence, his power living inside of us. We have his word. We have access to his throne room. He's giving us everything we need for a godly life. We just need to, we just need to stir it up. Because we love God, we don't want to dishonor his name because Holiness is what we're, the life we're created to live. It's, it's like Michael Jordan playing 
basketball versus Michael Jordan playing baseball, right? You know, I mean, when he's on the basketball court, man, he's a thing of beauty, right? Basketball, baseball, not so much, right? We, the life we're created to live is this life of holiness. What pursuing holiness looks like? First, the renewal of God's image in us. Like, we are made in the image of God, and then we all know sin quickly came in and distorted that image. Good news is Jesus came to restore that image by, you know, by dying for our sins, by making us right in God's eyes, and then starting us on this pursuit of personal, practical, progressive holiness. And day by day, moment by moment, restoring that image. 2 Corinthians 3.18 speaks to this. So all of you who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Like the more we're with God, the more we hang out with God, the more we see who God is, we begin to be changed into his likeness and image. Pursuing holiness looks a lot like a life marked by virtue, not vice. And don't let those two words scare you. Here's my definition, uh, at least in the context of this conversation. Virtue is the stuff of God that we need to put on. That's virtue. Vice is the stuff of the world that we need to take off, right? And when you read the New Testament, a lot of times in the letters, when they, when they, when these guys start writing, like Paul and all, like they'll start off in the first few chapters saying, hey, this is what Jesus did for you. This is who you are in Christ. And because of what Jesus did for you, and because of who you are in Christ, here is how you are to live. Here are the things that you need to take off. Here are the things that you must put on. And there are many examples of this. Mark 7, Romans 1 and 13, 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5, Colossians 3. I'm going to read this one here in Colossians 3. It's in all of our Bibles. It's in my Bible and yours. It's been there for like 2,000 years. Here's what it says. Right? In our life, right, of holiness, it looks like a life marked by virtue, not vice. Here's what Paul says. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worship the things of this world because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together 
in perfect harmony. And again, remember that we are pursuing a personal, practical, progressive holiness. Not perfect, but making progress. A progress measured not day by day, but a progress measured by, hey, you know what? I was really messed up 10 years ago. I'm a little bit less messed up now. You know know what? My life is more godly than it was five years ago. I'm making progress. I'm not the person that I was. I'm not yet who I'm meant to be. I'm not yet who God wants me to be. But man, I am not who I used to be. Amen? Right? That's what he's talking about. We, we take some things off and put some things on. But again, God is looking for progress, not perfection. Right? Progress. Pursuing holiness looks a lot like obedience to God's commands. We've talked about that already. But it bears repeating. A life of holiness looks like obeying the commands of God because we love him. And, and, and because we're calling him Lord, Lord, because we're actually doing what he says. And, and I know that it, it sounds really spiritual to say God is interested in relationships, not rules. It may sound spiritual, but it's not biblical. <laughs> now, I understand from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is full of commands. And listen, these commands are not meant to stifle your relationship with God. They're meant to protect it, to seal it, to define it. I mean, never forget that first God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, and then he gave them the law. God did not redeem Israel because they obeyed the law. Instead, he redeemed them so they might obey the law. Same for us. God does not save us because of all our do's and don'ts. No, he saves us so that we'll get better at all the do's and the don'ts. Amen? Pursuing holiness looks like the renewal of God's image in us. It looks like a life marked by virtue, not vice. It looks like obedience to God's commands. And it looks a lot like Jesus. I mean, if God's going to restore his image in us, then it shouldn't be surprising that holiness looks like Christ-likeness because Jesus is the image of the invisible God, Colossians 1.15. He is the exact imprint of his nature, Hebrews 1.3. Because the whole goal of our salvation is to conform to the image of God's Son, Romans 8.29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that in his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, in Jesus, we see the best, most practical, most human example of what it means to be holy. Jesus is our model of love, John 13, 34. Jesus is our model of humility, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Jesus is our model of facing temptation, Hebrews 4, 15. He's our model of Enduring in the midst of suffering, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2. Jesus is our model of obedience to the Father, John 6, verse 38. I love what Kevin DeYoung writes in his book, A Hole in Our Holiness. Great book, great writer. He says this. We see all the virtues of holiness perfectly aligned in Christ. He was always gentle, but never soft. He was bold, but never prudish. He was full of mercy, but not at the expense of justice. He was full of truth, but not at the expense of grace. In everything, he was submissive to his heavenly Father, and he gave everything for his sheep. 
He obeyed his parents, he kept the law, and he forgave his enemies. He never lusted, never coveted, never lied. And all that Jesus did during his whole life, and especially as his life came to end, he loved God with his whole being and his neighbor as himself. If somewhere down the road you forget the Ten Commandments, or can't recall the fruit of the Spirit, or don't seem to remember any particular attributes of God, you can still remember what holiness looks like by simply remembering Jesus. Amen? Okay. We're about done. I'm a little over time, but... My name is Steve Malone. This is, this, is, this, is, this is how we do, right? This is how I roll, right? Okay, and this is important, and it's not going to take long, okay? So how do we pursue holiness? First, by wanting it. <laughs> like, like, you may not thought much about pursuing holiness before we began this deep dive into hallowed be your name, but let me ask you, do you want it? Like, do you want to pursue a life that is Christ-like, that is godly, that is different, distinct, set apart from the world around you? Do you want to pursue a life that looks like the life that Jesus lived when he wore flesh and walked this planet? Do you want to, do you want to pursue and live a life that reveals who God is and shows how life can be lived? Do you want to live the life that Jesus bought for you in a bloodstained cross 2,000 years ago? Do you want it? Do you really want it? And do you want it enough to commit to it? You ever commit to something, right? Do you want it that much to commit to it? LNB, like never before. Next, we pursue holiness. We pursue holiness by wanting it and by fueling it. Most, most of you all know what John 15, 5 and 8 is, right? See, first and foremost, we fuel our pursuit of holiness by connecting, right, to Jesus, right? You know, he's the vine, we are the branches, right? You know, and, and you know, apple season's coming, right? Uh, what, shout out your favorite apple in the count of three. One, two, three. Pink lady! I love pink lady apples, man. You know, I'm going to get me some at Carter's Grove, right? And, 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 and you know, what's it called? Well, you know what? It used to be called Carter's Grove back in the 1750s. <laughs> That's what Thomas Jefferson called it. I'm just sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a historian. <laughs> but, but hey, I, I, love, I love Pink Lady apples. And when you go there, you know, there'll be some branches laying on the ground. And you know what they don't have on them usually? Apples. And then there's branches like on a tree. And guess what? You know what they sometimes have on them? Apples. Why? Because they're connected. You know, and understand, a, a, a branch on the ground has no chance. I mean, that branch can say, I'm going to have some really great apples here. I'm trying really hard. Come, not a chance, right? A branch on the tree has no choice, right? It's connected. And if we're connected to Jesus, we will begin to bear fruit, right? So we need to we pursue holiness by wanting it, by fueling it, and by working it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. There's a, 
Translation says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work, in, work within you. To will and to act and to fulfill his good purpose. See, see, we're to, we're to work out what God has worked in, right? It's a partnership. You know, God is working stuff in us, and we got to work stuff out of us, right? It just doesn't happen, right? And so what we need is some spirit-empowered, God-driven, faith-fueled effort. What you need to pursue holiness is some spirit-empowered, gospel-driven, faith-fueled effort. Effort. Spiritual disciplines. Wax on, wax off. Right, the things that we do that enable us to become the person that God wants us to be. And this leads us to this last point, and we're about done. I, I, I know I said that three hours ago, but really, well, the sun is already set. My goodness, what a beautiful sunset out there. All right, but, but anyhow, I, I put out this thing last week that said fourth quarter. And, and I have some of the, and the kiosk you can pick up. And all it is is that you say, you know, I want the fourth quarter we love fourth quarters. The Miami Dolphins loved the fourth quarter a couple of weeks ago when they were playing the Baltimore Ravens. And everybody in America and around the globe loves the fourth quarter in Super Bowl 51 when the Patriots came back, right? Yay, Patriots. Everybody loves that fourth quarter comeback, right? And it and, and didn't matter how bad they played because they finished strong. And so, so what this fourth quarter thing is, things that you can do that are guaranteed, if you do them, start doing them or do them even more, will make your fourth quarter even better. And here's what they were. I'm going to put them up on the screen, maybe, all right? This is rocket science right here. Yeah, I went to a special conference for three weeks to come up with these, man. This is incredible, right? Okay, read your Bible on a regular basis, right? And there's a scripture, you can look it up. Like, I'm not making that up. You should probably do that. Pray to our Father on a regular basis, right? Give a generous percentage of your income to his church, right? There's scripture, like, not, like, None of these are like made up, right? Um, serve in the church, right? I, I love this verse here. I've always loved this one. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Like Jesus said, hey, serve me. No, he came and he served. And so we all have gifts and talents and, you know, we should serve in the church, right? To make the church stronger, Right? We all have gifts and talents. We all have things that we can do. They're all different, right? You know, different talents, different people, different passions, right? Uh, attend church regularly, right? Again, Scripture, we probably should do that. Um, show compassion to the hurting in our world. We're doing that next week. And, and it's going to be beautiful. Uh, I mean, I, I can see, because I've been at the Laurels, you know. Man, they just love you talking to them, man. You know, and they smile, and, like people care. They let people care. These widows who have these projects in their, their house that they're too big. You know, that, I mean, projects that maybe would take 15 of us, you know, eight hours to do, a widow caring for a sick husband, you know, um, down in Blue Mountain Lake is going to walk out and go, ah, I, can't, I can't do this. My house is green. My deck is green. All my rooms will be painted. I have trees that have fallen from a storm. And I got a husband who's dying that I'm taking care of. How in the world will I ever be able to deal with this? And guess what? Jesus' church will show up and is going to help that lady And God will get glory, right? It's like, wow, that's what his people are like? I thought they just sat around saying how evil the world was. And, you know, no, they actually want to go out and help people and to make a difference. Um, share the gospel with someone who's lost. Evaluate what attitudes or behaviors you need to remove or add on. Like, go through that list in Colossians. 
Anger's got to go. Malicious behavior. Man, I was so happy when my guy I hated lost his job. I guess that's really not the right way to be, you know. Slander. Gosh, I can't talk about them anymore. Wow, I'm not very humble. I need to work on that. You, you, You see, go through that list. Hey, what do I need to put on? Wow, you know what? I thought I forgave that person, but I keep bringing it back. I keep reminding them of how they hurt me. I guess I need to work on that a little bit more. You know, and, and, and guys, when we want it, but you got, we got to want it, right? I mean, if, if you want to be in shape, you're going to exercise. You want to run the marathon, you're going to exercise. You want to be successful in your career, you're going to make a commitment to do that, right? And so you have to want it first, and, and then, you, then you have to fuel it, and you have to work it. And so I would just encourage you guys, you know, you know, because you love God, because they want to bring honor to his name, because this is the life you're created to live, right? And because it is absolutely possible to really get serious about pursuing a life of holiness. And, like, do you think any of these, like, you're the exception? Are there extras there? Oh, serving the church. Except Steve Malone doesn't need to do that. Right? Okay, I don't need to do that. Great. Uh, take off sin and put on right. Ah, no, I'm, I, these apply to you and me, right? You are not the exception for reading your Bible, for praying, for serving, for giving your offering, et cetera, et cetera. You are not the exception. God expects this of all of us, but all these things help us to know him better and reflect him better. Does that make sense? Wow. Don't look at your watches or phones. We're in the time warp, Right? It's really not as late as you think it is, right? Hey, we're having starting point. But guys, I, I love you. And this is serious stuff. This is how we show glory to God in this dark world, right? And we all need to work on it, right? Personal, practical, progressive. Amen. Hey, if you guys would stand, I appreciate you. Appreciate your attention, you know, um, for this extended service. I think you all took too long in the take two. Really, I think that was about 20 minutes. It wasn't all me. But God, we love you. And God, how crazy that you want to live inside. Of, you want to die for us. You want to live inside of us. And God, then, then you, you want us to live this life where we go, where we work, where we live in our neighborhoods, in the community, in the world, where we go to school. And, and show them what you're like. That, and God, the world has such a distorted opinion of you, God. And God, help us to pursue a life of holiness. God, help us to always be full of grace and truth, Lord. Because it takes both to change the world, God. And God, I pray that each of us will look at our lives and God, God, may we honor you this week. And we just thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for that name that is above every name, Lord. And God, right now, just help us just to praise him for who he is. Amen. And as we sing this, if you haven't picked up your communion, you'll see at these kiosks, we have these individual cups you can pick up. We have the offering boxes there as well. But really, let's worship Jesus.